The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors, a one-stop shop for all your legal needs. Call us now on 203 1268. It's the Anfield Wrap live at five. In front of me, I've got my girling, Blythe. I've got, got Paul Cope, the scythe, and John Gibbons, disco hand jive. This is Neil Atkinson, Lythe, and uh, we're going to talk today part three about Liverpool versus Aston Villa. Part two is entitled The Difference Between Being a Cult Hero, a Hero Hero, and a Really Good Footballer. It's worth sticking around for it'll be within about 15 minutes or so, but that's not to say that part one won't be any good. It's going to be about... Um, Broadly speaking about exactly what's going wrong at the back for Liverpool without really trying to get on anyone's back as we are brilliant going forwards. So before we delve into the well of negativity, uh, the opening question, I can't remember who suggested it today, but I've just sort of gone with it. Um, it's semi-serious, but I'm mildly interested. Uh, wh- what would you think of a winter break and when would you have it? What would you think of a winter break and when would you have it? Um, ooh, Paul Cope. Uh, I, I always thought when I saw this before on the agenda that... Um, I'd be in, I'd be in favour of a winter break, and then as I thought about it walking down here, I thought I'd have it in January if I was going to have one because you'd want your Christmas footy, you want your Boxing Day footy, so you'd have it in January. And then I thought, how bad would January be if we didn't have footy? Mm. And I, I, I'm not sure I could face a what, long what that'd be like a grim January, January without anything on the pitch. Yeah, imagine if this weekend we didn't get to watch a game of footy. Well, it'd be terrible for this show. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, let's concentrate on that. Uh, Mike Gerling, would you have a winter break? No, um, I, I've got to get out of the house by Boxing Day. <laughs> you know, you know, you've, you've got to get out. You know, you get cabin fever. So, so you can't. So the question is, when you have it, going back to what Paul said, and you couldn't have it in January because that's when the FA Cup starts. So, yeah. what are you going to do with the cup season? Um, so, I just think we have in this country, we're just never ever gonna. It's never gonna happen. Uh, John Gibbons, are you a, are you a yes man, or uh, are you also thinking to yourself, what on earth would we all do? I'm very much no for for all them reasons and the very valid ones. And another thing, the January transfer window, it does me head in anyway. It'd be even worse if there was no football. Imagine Sky Sports News if there was no footy. Wow, yeah, that's a horrible thought. That is, a, it's a terrifying thought. Did that's actually that's actually the thing that's put me off because I'm broadly, <laughs> I can I can talk myself into being mildly in favour. Um, I was feeling, I think it's partially because I actually think that the the, the Christmas program's now too full, and by the time Hull and Oldham came around, I was a bit like, all right, lads, that'll do. <laughs> Uh, whereas now uh, the idea of this weekend without football terrifies me. You've got to get out the house. You've got to have the Christmas program up to a point, and yeah, this yeah, is bad enough. One less game at Christmas, not really a Christmas. It's not a break. break. It's That's not, not what they're talking it's about. Not, is it? It's three weeks. It's <laughs> what does everyone else do? What's uh, exactly. This is, exactly. What I want to know is what takes its place. Then, if you have a winter break and there's no football, what do we get into? <laughs> I think well that's 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 the endless question. Um, you is know, it, what, is it, people, you mean what? What do we start with? As humans, we're, we're, we're all looking around. Looking for entertainment. <laughs> we, exactly. Do we, we get into? What do we into Panto? What <laughs> fills its place? No, I think I think it could be you know it could be women's football. It could be something. Someone's got to step up because you know I'd be bored. It could there could be loads of fifty year old fellas walking around town shouting at nothing. That's dreadful. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing there? <laughs> I'm not sure. I I never really understood that the, the argument that it benefits the players either because you've still got a certain amount of games you've got to fit in. So surely you're just fitting more games into a smaller period of time. And I think basically club managers and international managers are selfish as well. And club managers will get the most out of you know their their players and kind of leave them. You know they they all builds up till May, doesn't it? And that's when they're kind of really driving them out. Then they don't care if the shatter come the end of May. And I think that's the case whether you know whether it's a, there's a winter break or not 
Okay then. Uh, it's semi serious. And to get your sports science out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bold move. Raymond, what's his name? Will be all over Twitter about this with his green egg. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> this is the uh, this is the Anfield wrap then, and we will get on to talking about Liverpool from now until six o'clock. Um, okay then. Liverpool's issues going backwards. We've got to be careful not to overstate this. What with us winning lots of football matches in the games before Stoke, uh, Liverpool kept out the mighty Oldham. They also kept out an exhausted Hull City. Uh, so we don't, you know, don't want to tear into this too much. But conceding three at Stoke, giving away a fair few chances in conceding three away, whilst as I say, being brilliant going forwards, it's we're just not looking great at times, are we, John? That's the thing. It's 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 you, there are concerns there about the number of chances that are being given away, not even just the ones that are being taken. Yeah, there are. We've been giving away chances all season, really, and for a while, making Lay was probably making us look better at the back than we really were. And now he's his form. He's decided he's packing that in. Yeah, his <laughs> his form's kind of gone off a bit, and his shot um, shot stopping ratio has gone well down. And so you know we are conceding sort of bigger numbers, really. And it doesn't seem to matter who's at the back. There always seems to be mistakes, and uh, you know, I mean, you're going to get onto other things, but I don't think midfield's particularly helping them out as much as they could be, and so, so we look a bit, we look a bit exposed at the back, of then in one-on-one situations, that the, the guys who were there aren't dealing with it particularly well. I don't think also it, it helps too much that we haven't really had a settle back for. Uh, do you think it's? I mean, that uh, Mike, you know, do you think it doesn't help that with the settle back for? Do you think it's systems? Do you think it's individuals? Do you think it's all the above? Um, I think it's systems. I'm going to take a stance because you can say all the above and just cop out, right? But it doesn't matter who's in, we have the same problem. Um, and it's it's a problem which has been there from day one. Um, and I think the stat is we've got the most, we've conceded the most chances in the league. Isn't that right? For any team, we've conceded the most chances, the most chances on goal, which is unbelievable when you think about where we are in the league. What the stats lads who are relatively well, well informed and sensible keep saying one or the one or two I follow on Twitter is the pointing out that our, the number of shots we allow on our goal yeah. is comparable to the side, some of the sides who are in well, the relegation zone. No, I thought it was actually the worst in the league. Now it's actually got up the worst. Yeah, which is incredible when you think that we're fourth and we're doing so well in the league. Um, and I think it's also yes, the midfield could protect the defence more, but I, I also think that is. Not really the, the the real problem. The real problem is we just are not very good defensively, and it and it stems from we don't stop crosses coming in by, from from wide. The fullbacks never seem to stop a cross coming in. So they don't even try that hard. They don't even try. Yeah, um, the defenders never seem to close up. The centre half, no matter who it is, always seem to allow the shot off. Um, and so I just I think it's the system. Uh, what do you think, Paul? Do you think it's the individuals, the system? Do you think it's the uh, the, the the shape? What do you think? I think it's it's got a lot to do with the the current philosophy because I think that we've talked about this in the past, but I think this has gone on for so long now that we talk about players not closing down shots, we talk about players not closing down crosses. If if that wasn't part of the plan, you would think that had been stopped by now. Mm. Joe, we we go it's to not beyond the wit of man to fix that exactly. Joe, what, scale what? needs to step out. A couple of seconds earlier to stop a Charlie Adams shot, mm. and he doesn't, and he's been doing that all season, and he's being praised by his manager every week. So it's not as if his manager's looking at that and going, "No, well, you're not doing what I'm telling you to do." Well, the scale thing kind of makes a bit more sense because I can see the reasoning behind behind keeping a line or whatever. But in terms of stopping crosses, I don't see why they'd be instructed to do that. I don't understand what would yeah. be the reason. I would just 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 let them cross. That's that's a good thing. I don't understand that. 
Yeah. So we don't. I don't see how that could be an instruction. But it, but it's 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 not as that you see you've ever seen the fullback absolutely you know breaking his neck to get that cross stopped. You know, even at times don't see even a leg. No, I agree out. with you. I just don't see how how why a manager I, would tell I, him to do that. Yeah, I it is it would be a crazy thing to do. <laughs> I can't see the advantage that you gain from yeah. you know like some kind of some fast break will make them think they're going to score and then we're going <laughs> to then we're going to go on the break. But isn't it the same with allowing shots though? Because I, I, mm-hmm. I've heard the philosophy the the theory of. We're, we're all right to allow shots from outside the box because our keepers they're good at shot stopping, so we'll he'll save them. Does it? It's the same argument, isn't it? Allow a cross to come in the box because our defenders are they're good at heading the ball. That I'm not sure it's quite the same because I think not true I, think all, though, a, I think I think a defender's got to be concerned with his line, and I think if Skittle runs out to to try and block a shot, then obviously if if, the, if he right doesn't on. shoot and if he elects to pass, then our defence is in a bit of a mess. And I think that's, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think there's at least some reason behind. I think the argument for that is yeah. better than the it's, argument. Well, it exists yeah. for a start. Yeah. But dropping back is the opposite of playing an offside trap though, which is what we seem. We don't play an offside he, trap. He seems to do it all the time. So we could actually, I don't actually, right. I don't remember anybody ever being offside against We us. very, very rarely catch, <laughs> catch players offside. I did have that stat at some points as to the number mm-hmm. of players we caught offside in the previous 10 games. And this is, a while ago now, but it was one uh, back then, and I can't really remember that many offsides that you know we, that get given against us. Really, we don't seem to have any interest in the idea. And I, you know, and, and this is—I don't think that this is, by the way, in any way sort of um, uh, regressive, because there's a number of managers, you know, various uh, uh, Boa supporters supposedly did it as well, wherein you're actually playing a back four, but you're almost playing one who sweeps mm. and they hinge around on this one and they move mm. up and down the pitch because off the basis of the fact that you know people will get in behind. But then at times you do see his push right up, like a Goodison when Delafeu ran. The, the entire length of the pitch one-on-one with the goalkeeper mm. uh, going back to is it players is it formations I do think it's systems but there's no doubt in that there are in there are problems with some of the players but even most teams have players who aren't fantastic you know defenders but they don't seem to give up the amount of chances we do and there's plenty of crap defenders out there and you know Skirtle has his moments but he's not by nowhere near one of the worst defenders in the league he's not the best but he's nowhere near the worst so in order for us to be given up that much in terms of chances, then it can't just be plays for me. I think it comes down to settled team as well, though. It, that whenever you, you have a, a fantastic defence, it tends to be players who are used to work, working with, with each other every week. Arsenal earlier in the season, I remember thinking that their defence isn't that good, and then I started watching them, they were, and they were fantastic. But the, the fact was, they were playing together, the same back four were playing together every week. Mm. I think that that's an interesting thing, and I think that this is one of the reasons why everyone's wondering why Skirtle keeps getting his game, and I think one of the reasons why Skirtle keeps getting his game, even if he's poorer than some of the people he plays next to, is I think the manager doesn't think he can play Torre every week. Um, Aga's got the fitness issues that come around Aga, and they want, to make, they want to make Sarko first choice, but even Sarko's had a couple of niggles now since he's been at the club. So I think you know I think that that's one of the reasons why, why Skirtle keeps getting that game in particular. Yeah, I'll give you a backhanded stat. Skirtle's got the most blocks and clearances of any defender in the league. Yeah. That's what you call a backhanded stat, doesn't these it? Is, these, yeah. these are impressive stats, if, if they're true. <laughs> that one is, that that is, is true. true. But it is yeah. true, but it means we're conceding so many chances. For it means, like, for instance... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There's doing la- a lot of work. There's exactly. Lads, exactly. Not all of it good. Yeah. There's lads playing centre-half for Fulham who aren't kicking it out of their own box like more, <laughs> more often than he is, which, <laughs> yeah. is, which is frankly terrifying and a little bit weird. I would go, touched on the midfield there. You know, is the midfield playing its part, Paul? Does Gerrard going deeper help this? Does it hinder it? Is it neutral? Is it is it of no fixed abode? I I think it depends. Is the, is the lawyer's answer to that question? It it depends on who we're playing. I think, and I we'll go on to talk about the team for this weekend. I I don't mind seeing Gerrard tried out as the deepest lying pivot in the team, but it depends who we're playing against, and it depends who's playing in front of him. 
I, I think him playing there with Allen and Henderson in front of him is okay against poorer teams at home. I think him playing there away from home with Lucas anywhere near him means we're just too slow and we're too at risk, especially against the better sides who've got that little bit extra pace and can just bypass him. I think I think it, it, if Gerald's in the team and he's playing midfield, I think from a defensive point of view, that's the best place to play him because I think from this season when I've seen... When Gerald sort of frustrated me from a defensive point of view is when you've when they've been breaking and you've seen him jogging back and he just doesn't seem to have the, the legs or or well they say the will he, he must have the will so I guess it is the legs to to kind of get back and help out so then you know it's been frustrating when you when you when he's kind of just let man go so I think if he's just there then he hasn't got to run back he's just back anyway and I think you know obviously is is he's got good defensive skills in terms of sack, tackling and his aerial ability so I think from a defensive point of view actually if he's if he is. If he is going to be in them, I feel it's probably best from there from an attacking point of view, whether that's better and whether it's better for other midfielders and what happens to someone like Lucas, I'm not sure. I think as well, what I'd say is I, I know he got a lot there was a lot of analysis of his performance against Stoke from from where he was playing, and I think it's a difficult one to judge because midfield's just mad against Stoke. Like, those conditions it, in that game, it was yeah, crazy and stuff. just generally like what what Stoke try and do. I think it's very hard to assess any central midfielder in those sorts of games. I think it's uh, it's it's what strikes me as interesting, Mike, is that you want more and more now, Gerard, to see as much of the pitch as possible. This is the thing. I think you know at times against Stoke, he was effectively almost playing in the middle of, the, of, of three centre backs. The way in which Liverpool were were doing the business, the way in which they were going about their game. It, there is an argument, isn't there, that he can go even further back because he's he's got everything he needs to. You want to be a centre half, don't you? Like nobody's business. <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that in a minute. But um, it's obviously this is where he's going to go because he's he's gone public, hasn't he? And he said Brendan Rodgers says I'm going to play much more in this position, right? And then the interesting thing I thought this week, none other than Rafa Benitez said that Gerard is one of the most intelligent players he's ever managed, and he can play anywhere if you give him a chance. He'll he'll figure it out and he'll play there. So it's all about what you want from Gerard for me, right? So going back to what John just said about you know you don't want to see him jogging back when he's made a break forward. If his brief in those games is I want you to be dynamic and box to box then he's probably not that man anymore but give it, if you want him to play as the pivot and the and the defensive midfielder give him a run at that and even if Rafa Benitez says it who am I to argue he'll be able to do it in time yeah you're going to argue Paul with Rafa Benitez I'm going to argue with Rafa Benitez so, yeah. well Brendon Rodgers and Rafa Benitez both of <laughs> them well, both way, of them Paul. yeah but yeah, what do they know? everyone knows what I know more about know? footy than both <laughs> of those people but hey. in terms of the centre half thing um, I don't see why not you know, if you want a ball playing centre half, I couldn't think of a better one out there. But it's a hell of a it's it's downing at fullback, isn't it? We're in that territory there. I'll come on to that in a second. Go on. I see a better argument for him playing centre half. To be honest, I I think if you're going to pick, you no, know he's never played centre half. Yeah, the fact that he probably doesn't want to. Yeah, that's it's so what. He didn't want to play right midfield. You say well, so I- what? But I think I think defenders. If we're going to get into this as a, as a semi-serious point, I think defenders have to really, really enjoy defending, yeah. especially yeah. centre halves. And everyone always says that the best defenders just love defending. Does it? They do. They're, dis- they're destructive. There, we're, we're, I just, I just, I just think he's going to get. Gerard builds a sandcastle. Defenders kick it down. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I don't. I don't mean for now as as him being a centre half. I see. I see long term him getting an extra five, six years out of his career by doing it. Mm. I'd actually go the other way. I'd I'd be playing him in an, in an attacking wide role where he can be. He's still so dangerous in the final third of the pitch. His delivery into the box, his passing, his shooting. Yeah. Well, maybe not his shooting as much That's anymore. But I, I, I just think though, his finishing, his like, finishing he, has yeah. always been fantastic, and he's never in those positions it's, it anymore. Is, it's because he's good, that good a player. It's what you what are you losing by where you're putting him. That's always it? been the argument. And it's kind of like his problem. It's a balancing act. But you're right. There's no better crosser. 
There's yeah. a, tell me a better crosser in the game than him in, in this league. Exactly. There isn't and, one. and him, I think, is a, from a, um, it's the Suarez factor. Gerard in the final third of the pitch puts fear into opponents. I, Gerard playing as a deep line centre midfielder. If I was playing against a, a Liverpool side with Gerard there, I'd be thinking, well, that's that's fine for us. My biggest problem with him playing that position, and this comes back to Lucas as well, is is pace over yeah. five yards. I don't mind him out wide, like you said, if you're going to do that because of his ability to play a you know play a ball in, which is un- un- unsurpassed. If you're going to play him behind Suarez, I don't think he's quick enough anymore. I don't think his legs move quick enough. I don't think his feet move quick enough. You know, to just move, to play that little pass but between the lines that and stuff. But isn't that if you sit in front of the back four as well? well? You've got to sh- shuttle across, cover your full back, help your full back out, all that sort of stuff. Not in the same way. No, I mean, you're talking about the difference in speed between a, se- a defensive midfielder and somebody like Coutinho or Silva or somebody like that. I just don't see that with him anymore. Okay, okay. The other thing about uh, we'll, we'll talk about Gerard centre back another time. Uh, I think it can work, John, because I think that you play, you, you begin to play the game quite differently. Uh, it's about, I think, it's what moves you from being a very, very good team into a genuinely great team uh, because the role isn't necessarily purely defensive. But it, I don't know if it'd work in this country, but I could see how it could work in other countries. I just reckon he get fed up. Um, I don't. Jack it in. I don't. I think he'd be running the game. I think he'd be running the game with an eight <laughs> on his back. And you just telling me Franz Beckenbauer and he'd love it every week. Just go out and go, you're Franz Beckenbauer, like yeah, like what Hansen that. used to do, break up the pitch and. Yeah, Put just to the ball in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I think that. But the other thing about him moving back, Paul, and this is one of the reasons why I'm sort of in favour of him moving back, is we've got energy issues um, in that midfield. You know, we, 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 we haven't got a, num- a huge number of midfielders. Might be nice to add one. But in that midfield, then, therefore, if you, if you say pretty much we're nine times out of ten going to play Steven there, then it's permanent two from three in front of him. And then those two from three, Alan Henderson, Lucas, they can pour themselves onto the pitch. They can give everything that they've got, knowing that they're each going to get a turn of getting a break at some point. Though I think Henderson is still a league ever present for Liverpool this season. Yeah, I, my concern with that is Lucas, and it's it's pushing him further forward. I I used to say many many years ago when we first signed him, he'd he'd become a fantastic goal scoring box to box midfielder, and look how right that's. Turned yeah. out to be. It might happen. This might be the, the moment. This might be it. Yeah, I might be pretty right after all these years. I, I just think I'm I'm starting to to lose a bit of faith in Lucas. To be honest, and I've been one of his biggest supporters even when he was getting stick right at the beginning. And I think it's because I think he's lost a little bit of pace after his injury. And the key in his position, or if he plays that position further forward, which is where Alan would play, is he's not quick over a few yards. You need to be able to cover ground to shuttle around. And he hasn't got that, so I don't think that works in front of a Gerard deep line midfielder. I think if this works, John, what's interesting about this is looking forward to next season where, where we expect Liverpool to be in the Champions League. If this does work with Gerard where he is and Liverpool can do that next season, um, you know, you've know, you then got Lucas there as well. The, the, when you're going to start playing two games in a week, you need to be able to build a squad. And it's interesting we have these conversations sometimes because one of the reasons we have them is we have fewer games, but we've got a number of players who are very, very close to genuinely top class or are genuinely top class. So it's not, it doesn't have to ne- next season, for instance. It isn't really an argument as to whether or not it's Lucas or Gerrard. It would, if you're playing every four days in the middle, a core part of the season, it'd be both of them. Yeah, quite possibly. And I think it oh, we're kind of assuming that we're going to keep going with three in the middle as well, which won't necessarily happen. You know, we might go to more of a 4-4-2. You know, we might go to a, a sort of 3-5-2 or what. We don't really know what, how this team's going to evolve in terms of formation-wise. So the position that Gerrard played against Stoke might not even be there in, in on Saturday might not even be there tomorrow if we go more of a four four two then you'd expect you know more of a you know just a two a two in a straight line in the middle. So it's it is it is there is a lot to 
a lot of dependables and a lot of things we don't know. And I think, you know, I think both Gerard and, and Lucas are, are important players for us going forward. Okay, this is the Anfield Rap City Talk on a 5.9. After the break, the difference between being a cult hero, a hero hero, and a really good footballer. The Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9. With Luis Garcia uh, retiring this week and Anthony's retirement, it was interesting to watch the what we can frankly put, call an outpouring of love for Luis Garcia. He played at Anfield for two and a half seasons. His goal record was nothing much to write home about, but as uh, I think it was um, Russian uh, very astutely pointed out, um, this shows why stats cannot be trusted. Luis Garcia is a proper football hero. He's a hero hero. Um, so I want to talk about the idea of hero heroes and how... Basically, footballers can become defined by the periods they were at the club as much, if not more, than their abilities. So I'm using as, as the example of this four players. Luis Garcia is a hero hero. Steve McManaman as a local hero with a question mark attached. Igor Bishkan as a cult hero. And uh, Daniel Sturridge as a man surrounded by question marks. Um, let's look at those four then. Bishkan signed in the treble season, integral to the European Cup win, John. I mean, you know, this is an example of a player who very much... Had he played for Liverpool in the mid nineties, he may even find himself lashed into the peaknik category, uh, <laughs> and now is 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 a footballer who's very much looked on fondly by Liverpool supporters. He is, yeah. I mean, he was, I think he was obviously deep down quite a good player, which is which is part of it because you know when he when he came, he looked very good. He, he scored on one of his first games against Crystal Palace when we were great and won five nil, and you know. Actually, was was reasonably trusted by Julio. He started him in the League Cup final, mm-hmm. and then kind of <laughs> Rafa wasn't too sure about him at all. But when he had to throw him in, he he, he kind of he did all right for him. Was it was it Juve- No, sorry, not the Juventus. Leverkusen, Leverkusen game, and he played in one of the group games as well and played very well. And so, yeah, he's 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 kind of an interesting player. And he's kind of had a he had a he always had a kind of brilliant performance in him. Really, and I think that's kind of why people liked him. And he was kind of. We didn't know too much about him, and he kind of get thrown in. But you think, well, he might just play really, really well. But audio might be dreadful, and I guess that's what a cult hero is. European ego. To be honest, with you, we don't know too much about him now. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I don't know. I, I think you're, you're looking at him f- quite fondly there. I wouldn't have said he was instrumental in the in the European Cup. No, but for instance, he play, I think he, he played away at Juventus. He played both legs against Leverkusen. He set up the opening goal at Anfield against Leverkusen. Mm. You know, this is when I say instrumental. He obviously wasn't Alonso or, or Luis Garcia in that run, but yeah. he's got a cultish status. He's got a cultish status with with a section of the support. Um, but I th- yeah, I think the other thing going back to what makes a cult hero, it's generally a song as well. They've got a good song. Lewis Garcia had a great song, which was easy, and it was easy to latch on to, and it's an uplifting song. So even if you didn't like him, you sang it, you know. And I think that's a, that's always important. And a good name, if you're called Igor. Well, it's very singable. Yeah. Very singable and name. And Igor Biscan's a great name. <laughs> this is a matter past this, but then on the other hand, you've got McManaman, and I, I think McManaman's actually remembered a little bit harshly, Paul. You know, he, mm. he won nothing for Liverpool except for a League Cup, in which, he, you know, in the final he scored a brace, and we forget that. You know, he's a local player. The departure doesn't help and all that sort of stuff, but it's odd, because he's a better, I think, of those players I've listed there, Garcia, McManaman, Biscan, Sturridge. I'd say McManaman is, you know, he's, I think he's a better player than Garcia. I think he's a obviously a better player than Bishkan, but we remember Garcia so much more fondly. Yeah, I, I going back to something Mike said, I, I think there's various categories you've got to be in one of to, to fall into the hero status. And it is, it's it's illogical stuff, but it's stuff like song, name, mm. goal scored in top game, mm. performance in top game. Mm. But it's also subjective, isn't it? Because you know, we say Lewis Garcia, hero, hero, mm. song all day long. I, I see Lewis Garcia, I hear the song, I think about being in Istanbul. Mm. 
happy memories. Yeah. I'm not sure if I asked my dad whether Lewis Garcia is a hero, oh, hero he for him. Yeah. He would be. Yeah. He, he, would, he wouldn't be. Cause I think, and I think there's a stage in your football following life where you have heroes and you buy into it. He scored and great goals, though, Garcia. He scored some fantastic goals. And He's got one of the best important I've ever goals seen. as well. Garcia, outside the box at Anfield. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, goal. great, he- great header of the ball from yeah, that man. He really was. Uh, this is uh, it, it's been touched on there, Ashley, Jonathan. The importance of the moments and capturing the moments. I mean, Garcia was a player who just had moments. You know what I mean? This was pretty much his Liverpool career. It's it's odd to find a career wherein you can define it so much by by doing the business in certain games, but it's very much was one of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of forget all his big goals because he had so many, you know. So you you kind of you think you got them more than someone reminds you of another one, and and there it is again. And I think. It was just it was just a period as well where you know Paul's right to to say you know you associate plays with emotions and it was a time when we were all very optimistic and it was a time when a lot of good things are happening and it's a time it felt great to be a Liverpool fan and he kind of encapsulated that because he was you know part of the Spanish invasion so you know we had the La Bamba song as well which had them all in and you know it kind of just just felt these lads are great and they've come over here and they get us which is that phrase that people kind of phone around and they seem to they seem to just really enjoy it and I think as well it helps that it's obviously the part of his career that he remembers most fondly you know more games for us than anyone else yeah but all you know he's he's moved around a lot he played a bit for Barcelona he's he's, you know he's, he's had a he's had a kind of reasonably good career but then this kind of thing happened in the middle where for whatever reason, he ended up at Liverpool and won the European Cup, and so it's kind of a nice story. And he's a nice fellow, isn't he? I think it's it is interesting though that somebody like Louis Garcia, Luis Garcia, he he was the most frustrating player you've ever seen as well. When it was in wasn't his day, the amount of times you give the ball away, people were losing hair in Anfield in great numbers, you know, with him around. But then you think about someone like McManaman, but he's only remembered for he's not remembered for that anymore. He's yeah. remembered for his goals. You think about McManaman though now, he's remembered as somebody who was a bit of you know bit but. Tried to leave, you know. He left, went to, went on a, went, ended up going to to, to Real, and then, um, but he's kind of seen as somebody. You don't really remember the good things about Manning because he was outstanding. There was a, for a couple of years, he was one, was of, the, one of the best players in the country by, by a distance, the best winger out there. Yeah, um, but I think that actually links into our memory of him and the way we we think of him now. I think links into something John and Neil have both said is that it's the way they leave as well. When when Garcia leaves, his career fades away. When we get mm. the announcement he's retired, mm. didn't we all think I didn't even know where he was? Yeah, he I didn't even know. I'd, Mexico I'd, I'd and... he'd already retired. Exactly. Went on a free, didn't he, McManaman? Yes, went on a free to Real Madrid. But to Real Madrid, and I think this is the key point. Mm. Torres, we loved. We absolutely when he was with us, we loved him so much. But then he left in acrimonious circumstances to a certain degree and went to Chelsea. Yeah. So now we're never going to remember him as fondly as we remember Garcia. Mm. And I think that's one of McManaman's problems. We don't like it when someone leaves us to go to someone they consider to be a bigger and better club. Yeah, but I mean, but players kind of left, you know, Keegan went on and, and Keegan still... He left the country f- though. We'll well, McManaman. But we knew he was going, Keegan. He told the, the season before that he was going to go. He was I, kind I of like, know. but that's clean. that's but that's sort of PR was at the time. And you think over the time period, what surprised me about McManaman is like I understand why people are angry at the time, and I think the Bosman thing was fairly new then as it was. well. So people were kind of like. Oh my God! Are we really not getting any money for him? <laughs> like absolutely not. Like yeah. they're not just going to give us a bit because they feel bad about it. Like I don't mean people really kind of got onto it. So you know, but it, but I thought by now that people would have softened to him and would have thought, do you know what? He was brilliant. He was by far best player, and he was probably right to leave because. You know, he went to play for Real Madrid for God's sake and played in all those Champions League finals and and, and was and was you know a very good player for them. And you know they kind of in and out the side, but generally when it came down to it, they pick him. So, but but we haven't really softened. And I think it goes back to kind of what 
what Paul touched on before and what I kind of mentioned as well is what we kind of associate with those teams. So everyone loves the 2005 team. It won the European Cup and they all seem like great lads and, you know, we've got the good <laughs> memories. Whereas that 90s team, we kind of look back and go, oh... They, they really frustrated and they kind of they should have achieved so much more and he's kind of associated with that period and when you think about the 90s team you kind of feel a bit down and feel a bit deflated and but so is Fowler though and he's not and he's very much is, well, is, Fowler, yeah, well, well, Fowler got that... the treble season I mean I, I think it'd be interesting if yeah. Fowler had never got the treble season if, if, yeah, yeah also, never done what he did but he went Alibes. to Leeds and he, you, know, he was, you know he did all the, all the bad things he, he obviously didn't want to go particularly but he did all those bad things and stuff like that but um, he's not now. Is Fowler a hero, hero, or a cult hero? I think Fowler's a hero, hero. But yeah. I think for, yeah. because he's brilliant, but also because the, you know he's, he's done the business in. Massive I think he's games. all three of the above. I think he's a cult hero, a hero, hero, <laughs> yeah. and a really good footballer. Well, this is the thing about the moments because for years Fowler, for all the brilliant brilliance that he was responsible for, he never quite had the moment. The moment that you know raises you up. If you Garcia, it's any one of a number of them. You know, uh, the, the, the the volley against Juventus is the one that you remember the most. The one against Chelsea in the semi final is the most acrimonious. There's there's ob- things here, but moments tend to happen at night um, Jimmy Rigby's just uh, t- tweeted me that he had a theory that Igor could only play on a Tuesday uh, <laughs> <laughs> on your, your Ventus and Labour it was Lacarunia that's the one I was trying to think of he was great there he was brilliant yeah. against Lacarunia uh, you know uh, so you know this idea that but the moment tends to happen at night and at the minute oddly Paul we don't have many night games you know what I mean and, and we've got one coming up against Everton and this is where you know where Sturridge comes in to a certain extent you know I think Sturridge is a significantly better player certainly than Garcia and Bishkan but He's not had them. He's not even had the opportunity to grab the moment. Suarez has become so good; he transcends this. But Sturridge hasn't really had the opportunity yet to say, "I'm having a moment." <laughs> yeah, and I think Fowler fits into the Suarez category probably in that some players are just so good when you're watching them for a period of time that they transcend all of this. What's your standout Robbie Fowler goal then? Quickly, what would you say it was? Uh, the where he lobbed Schmeichel in a one-on-one. Yeah. Because at the time Schmeichel was That's unbelievable, so mm. to lob him was just yep. unbe- just fantastic. Aston Villa at home when he um, went past Steve Staunton and then uh, rifles it in. I think we went three 0 up after about twenty five minutes. We were just we I were t- just boss. I tell you, a brilliant one. I guess forgotten. I always think of Alves in the final. I was good. That's my fantastic favorite. Fantastic little shimmy and yeah. better, better, he's just come on the pitch as well. But it's boys' yeah. own stuff. He's literally just <laughs> <laughs> boys' own stuff. I mean, this is it's, it. It is grabbing this sort of stuff because it's this is the way to the shirt thing and playing for Liverpool. It must be mad. And we talk about Garcia because and I think you know this idea that they get us. They must come in and find it absolutely bananas. John Furlong who does loads of lo- loads of help for us. He told me some weeks ago he read a Charlton blog which had John Barnes in its all time eleven. John Barnes played for Charlton. He played about twelve games when he was about thirty six. And they've got him in there. This fella had said, of the best players I've seen, John Barnes is in there. That version of John Barnes. Not the version of John Barnes that we had. That one. And yet, you know, I've asked you if you had the time or not. You know, if Sturridge had played for Charlton, he'd be in there. If McMahon had played for Charlton, these lads would be like, you know what I mean? They'd be mm. well over the hill and far away. And it must wreck their heads. Because if you think about all-time Liverpool strikers, your all-time Liverpool strikers, before you'd even include people from the pre-Shankly era, like Little went from wide midfield and played centre forward as well like Gordon Hodgson before you'd include these fellas Albert Stubbins Albert Stubbins before you'd include Jack Barmer before you get into those names where are you going to have Sturridge who's mm. brilliant he's absolutely brilliant but he'd probably be mooching around about 14th mm. <laughs> at least and, yeah whereas if he plays for practically any other club in the country and I, I'm going up to say Newcastle level here you know if he plays for anyone else in the country up to about Newcastle he'd be top 5 top 3 by this stage of proceedings, and yet for Liverpool, we're all looking at each other going, well, I'd have this fella, and I'd have this fella, and someone in a minute's going to say, well, what about Michael Owen when he was at his peak, and all that sort of stuff, and I think it's crazy stuff, and I think it must, you know, it's it's sort of not fair, in a sense, because if you're that good at football, as some of these players are, mm. and then you get seen that way, then it must be frustrating, Paul. But it's a, it's a decision you take, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's Alan Shearer. Mm. 
It's do you go to Manchester United and and compete to be amongst their greats, knowing that you might just be to them an average player or a very good player or a very, very good player? Or do you go to Newcastle and be adored and get a statue and everyone love you for the rest of your life? Sturridge has come to us. He's accepted that challenge. And I do think that given time, he will get into that, that level. I become a hero, hero. Yeah, yeah. Become the real deal. Yeah. We're gonna go. We're gonna. We'll finish up on Garcia in a second. But um, the, the other thing that occurs to me in all this, John, and you pointed out to me today, was you know sometimes life isn't fair. If you're young, gorgeous, a boss of football, and very rich, Hi, for yeah. instance. <laughs> <laughs> for instance, Glenn Johnson. Yeah, I mean, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Johnson's not going to work out for me. Signed at the worst possible moment when I looked like it was great, but we all kind of knew that it wasn't. And then we're probably going to end up going to sell him just before we come become brilliant again. So, so he's Glenn, just going to have five years when he was at his peak playing for average Liverpool teams. Poor guy. Yeah, and uh, through practically no fault oh, of his own. No, he, oh, hang on been... he played in the quarterfinal Champions League with us, didn't he? Yeah, but it's, it won't be... Really, no. It's not going to be... Against Chelsea? No. No, we, we, went, st- we got knocked out of the Champions League. He signed out summer of 09. 09-10, we got knocked out of the Champions League. We've not been back. We got into the Europa League. Really when, after, yeah. So he's, he's not played in. He's literally all everything that's that, that, that's been mostly good that's happened to us over the last fifteen years. Johnson's managed to come slap bang. Maybe maybe it's his fault. <laughs> maybe we find, finally found the common factor. He's come slap bang in the middle of. Yeah. It's so not, he's. It's not fair, poor lad. Poor lad. Okay. Come on, he's sad. No wonder he looks sad. <laughs> we're going yeah. to see this part out. This is the Anfield wrap. But before we go any further, City have collated it for us. It's very kind of them to do so. Here's three Luis Garcia golden moments that make you a hero, hero. That's a nice play. Chips it in towards Latalak. He hovers it over. It's a Garcia. 25 yards out! Yes! Oh! What a goal! What an absolute beaut! Luis Garcia hit it first time. It hovered over the top of Buffon, who could only watch, who could only see it nestle in the back of his net. Risa. Takes it round Frank Lampard. Ball inside the Chelsea. Off. Flick forward. It's a chance for Barros. Oh, it's, it's brought down by the keeper. Short yes! to be in. Luis Garcia yes! is there to knock it in after that. And the penalty shout came. The referee allowed play on. And Luis Garcia gets the only goal. Finnans throw down the right-hand side. Ferreira heads it backwards. And then Gallas has made a mistake. Garcia's popped through. Edge of the box. Yes! He scored some absolutely vital goals for Liverpool, Lewis Garcia. And Liverpool could be on their way to the biggest win of their season. It's well and truly on the cards now. Hero, hero. The Anfield Wrap. Don't go anywhere, Villa, after the break. The Anfield Wrap. Brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Keep 100% of your compensation. Call 203-1268 to claim your £200 cash advance. Terms and conditions apply. Somehow in the break there, City Talk 105.9, Neil Atkinson with everyone. We managed to get, ended up talking about Athens. Uh, this is the Anfield Wrap. We should, we should record these breaks sometimes. This is the Anfield Wrap. Um, Gary Regan's tweeted in, Fowler, uh, Brambergen in a way, is the one he immediately thinks of. And we were just talking about that goal as well. Um, before we be, before we get back into Liverpool versus Aston Villa, I want to just uh, give a shout out to our friends at Home Baked. They've got a raffle this weekend for a signed Liverpool ball. Uh, it's £2 a go and all proceeds are going to the education side of the project, um, which, which, which goes around there. Uh, um, both home economics and art. Um, they're going to be selling the Scouts pie with both blinds and meat uh, using the recipes of the winners from the Anfield Ro- Road School Primary School, which were judged by uh, Jane Lawless and Simon Rimmer earlier today. So that's that. That's home-baked. Um, John, Dovetail Social last night, I believe. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. It was on. We ba- Banco Van Goon's sons, really, really good. Look out for them. Go and see them. I think they're playing the Zanzibar next Friday. 
Excellent stuff. Good shout for them. Um, and also, we will mention again, and then we'll cease to mention it for a little while, but if you get the opportunity, do try and listen to our music podcast, The Rider. Uh, we've been really happy with it in the last couple of weeks, and I think that if you're one of these people who's probably like I was around this time last year, thinking to myself, I need to listen to more new music, uh, The Rider can help you do that in a non-judgmental way. Uh, I've been told I'm being too overly negative when I say this, but you're not supposed to like all the songs. <laughs> uh, the songs do move around. You might like some, you might not like others. That's perfectly acceptable. There's lots of people talking a load of nonsense in the gaps for instance this week we got on to what was old nordic for the word virgin so that's the rider you can download that whenever you want so now to come on to liverpool versus aston villa um Mike, it's fascinating this because no one's got a clue what Aston Villa are going to do. Uh, yeah. Aston Villa could do anything. They could go four four two. They go four five one, three five two, three four three three. Aston Villa, Paul Lambert. There's no set formation. There's no set plan. Um, but to be fair, the away record's better than the home record. It is working for them at least on the road to a certain extent. Mm. And I do wonder that's if whether that's got anything to do with what you just said. To be honest, you don't know what you're going to get with them. I mean, sometimes they are awful at the worst team in the league, and then you see them. Playing very well against like the top four. Yeah, they played. Um, so, are you I, concerned? I, I, it, I don't like. I, I, not at the moment. No, I'm not concerned with Liverpool. I think we are not taking teams lightly at home. We're not turning up expecting to win at home. Um, so, I don't think. I don't think I'm concerned in that. In that sense, I am. I am slightly concerned that they can be good when they want to be, when they're on form. And so they they could give you a, a game that you might not be expecting. But they can be awful as well. And so this is, this is easily a, a, a one or one nil as a 5 nil for me, this game. It's a strange one. It is a strange one, isn't it, Paul? We've got no idea really what they're going to do. You don't know quite how they're going to approach it. It's, it is interesting what Mike says. I think a lot of it's down to the fact that they almost play lottery football. They lash it up um, towards Benteke, Agbon Lahore if he's playing, get people around him, all that sort of stuff. And if you have a day where it works, if the forward's on form, if something clicks somewhere, then all of a sudden you can find yourself very much put on the back foot. Yeah, and and I think it comes down to a couple of players, probably the players you, you mentioned then. Benteke scored last week, didn't he, after a long, barren spell. And and I think teams like that rely on on players like him. It's funny because Aston Villa is one of those teams that makes me feel quite old because I would have known every Villa player 10 years ago and now I, I'll spend most of tomorrow saying, who's that lad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know that, that's Ben Teke. Becoming your dad. And Yeah, and other than that, I'm not really sure. Um, For so, ages, I thought the goalkeeper was was Vila and the centre-half was Guzman, but it transpires it's the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> um, who knew? Um, so let's just hope that, that Joe Rogers has got more of an idea of what they're going to do. I, it, it, I think it probably could come down to how good Ben Teke is. But my, my biggest concern, I think, is we're all starting to get to the point now where you, you turn up at Anfield and we win. We don't. We never drop points. And that's a, I've always got this thing in the back of my mind that the fixtures we've got left, there could be one in there that just messes us up a little bit. Saturday evening, half five against Villa, maybe. Hopefully it's it's that thing that Mike says, Joe, that they are focused and they don't take these games for granted. It's a cliche to say, uh, John, but an early goal would obviously, an early Liverpool goal would obviously help uh, because it, it throws whatever plan Villa have got lined up for us, it throws them aside and puts, put, secures us a little bit in the football match. And, you know, we don't really want to be getting into, into because, you know, they, they haven't conceded that many first half goals either, Villa. We don't really want to be getting into 60 minutes, 70 minutes with a nil-nil. Well, not really, but at least we look like we might have something like a strong bent bench this time you know people are coming back so I think there are, there are changes that he'll be able to make depending on you know who he starts obviously but the, 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 he, whoever he starts to look like there should be you know some sort of changes that he can make to to go on and win the game they're a funny team Villa aren't they they're very much a confidence team which you know I suppose I suppose all teams are in a way but they're more than most and 
which which I think is another reason why you say you want your early goal. But they've also not really got any interest in possession whatsoever, especially away from home. They're not bothered about having the ball at all. And when they've got it, when they do got it, you know they'll lash it up quickly and just try and do something. So they they won't mind defending for long periods. They won't mind getting the men behind the ball. I just think we'll be too good for them. I, I, I don't think I don't think there's a way you can set up at the moment if you're the, if you're that level of team at Anfield and keep out our our um, attacking players. The one thing that worries me is that we might go a bit too attacking. I don't think we need to throw all our great attacking players on the on the pitch tomorrow and just blow them away. I don't think that's necessary at all. I think if we if we set up reasonably solid, but with obviously good attacking players on the pitch, I think we can win by three or four so goals. They've got. Um... They signed Grant Holt, haven't they? They've signed Grant Holt back, and when they signed him back, Paul Lambert referred to him as a proper man. Well, um, no doubt he is. Um, <laughs> other proper men, uh, as per Paul Lambert, Hulk Hogan, Daley Thompson, Ed Miliband, and Dirk Um I mean, this is, I'm asking you, John's just said it, Mike, about blowing them away. Um, you know, would you consider doing that, or do you, do, you, do you stick with what's been working? It's the Sturridge's back, and not just Sturridge. Allen's likely to be in the round contention. What mm. I'm saying here is, Mike, basically, what's your 11? Okay. Before I do that, if you're Paul Lambert, you're going to say Liverpool are very weak at the back. I think he's playing Grant Holt and Benteke in this game, right? And he's going to just try and marmalise. Just keep going long. Just bombard. keep going long because he knows that, that that's his best, probably his best chance against us. So we have to be mindful of that, and I, you know, and they'll probably get some joy out of that. And they've just signed Bertrand on loan for a period of time at left back, who's got something to prove. So you know, so, it's, but it's it's those two up front against our centre halves. Is, is, it makes you a little bit nervous in terms of. They're probably going to get some joy out of that at some point, at some point in the game. But um, I think Alan's back, isn't he, for this? Yes. And I, um, I, I like Alan. I li- he's played really well the last since just before he got injured. Uh, he's very important for us. You know, he's cr- incredibly nippy, which isn't a word which is used enough in football. Um, and in front of Ger- <laughs> him, Hendo, Gerard, midfield, or, or Lucas, whatever is holding, and, and then um, Sturridge for Coutinho, probably. I'd keep Sterling in and Suarez, obviously. So you go to more of a four-four-two with sort of Henderson looking after the flank, but well, coming inside as well, getting I don't, in front of people. I don't know. Actually, he's played Suarez. You can't really not play Suarez now, just up front, because he just scores goals left, right, and centre, doesn't he? But he has played him would be off off storage before, mm. and that could work for us. But also, even maybe playing in the one of him or Sturridge where Coutinho play. I think Coutinho needs a rest. Person, I don't think he's playing well. Um, I think he needs to take out the team for a little bit. So, what what, what would you do, uh, Paul? John's made it clear he doesn't want to see you, you lash all the attacking talent on the pitch. Would you would you look to keep it reasonably solid in there and then just just presume that we we will break them down? I I think our our biggest risk against Villa is being hit on the break. That's that's what they love, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I I think we've got to be careful with that to make sure we've got enough pace in the team to deal with that because we are as John says we're going to have most of the ball. They're not interested in it. We're going to keep it. And we'll we'll score goals. I I I think there's an argument for not starting storage and um, keeping him in reserve. Feed Joe, get him back into full fitness slowly. Don't don't throw him back into this. Make sure that our our midfield is packed with enough players to stop the breaks right straight down the middle of the pitch. I'd, I agree with Mike. I'd, if Alan's fit, I'd bring him straight back into the team. You need his you need his legs. You need his pace. I'd I'd probably go with Gerard as a, if if we're going to try this deep lying holding midfielder, then try it tomorrow at home. It's, that's the best time for him to dictate the pace of the game. Mm. We all know Gerard, given time and space on the ball, can can easily dominate a game. So that's a good time to try it. Mm. I but I, I I've been saying for a long time, Coutinho needs to have a break. Johnson probably needs to have a break. I don't think either of them probably will. They'll I think they'll both play. And I'd bring 
this is all on the assumption all the other players are going to be the same. I'd, if Sacco's fifth, I'd bring him back in because there's going to be a big aerial threat, especially if the proper man plays. If the proper man, yeah, uh, I think yeah. it's I, th- I think it's interesting, John, but both Johnson and Coutinho because I think the, neither of them are playing well at all, but they're offering a great deal to teammates consistently. We've not got much time left to get into this, but I think that both of them are quite you know they're able to they're able to show a lot, and certainly in the middle areas of the pitch, it's where we need them to come deep, do something a little bit different, and the opposition to worry about them. Yeah, I do, and I think if 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 Sturridge and Suarez do both play, I think maybe Coutinho comes a better option just because he can carry the ball more, so he's linking up the midfield and attacks, so he's got someone there, whereas, you know, Sterling isn't that kind of player yet, so that's not to say he won't be able to do that, but I think it'll, I think if you're going to play them too, I think it kind of fits better Coutinho, in, and I don't, I fully expect Glenn Johnson to start as well, although Sterling might go get a go right back if things aren't going well. And, and if I'm picking the team, uh, Mike Gurley, <laughs> very, very quickly, I'm looking for a scoreline, just a scoreline. 3-0 uh, Liverpool. Um, John? 5-2. Uh, Paul? 3-1. Excellent stuff. This has been the Anfield Wrap this week. Uh, well into Luis Garcia. Good on him. He's come through for us this week. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Have your will drafted or amended for just £49 plus VAT. Call 203 1268.